0: You know what I have right here? Um, <coughs> you might be able to take a couple of guesses, but I have the Frederick, fam- the, 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 I want to say world famous, but within our family, these are the famous Aunt Susie pumpkin muffins, man. These are fa- the famous, the, man, my kids, like every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, as far back as they could remember when they were little, we would always go to Orlando or when we lived in Orlando, go see Aunt Susie to her house because she was the one that was the glue family together we'd have big dinners there celebrate birthdays and obviously it's kind of changed now that everybody's grown up and moved but man we'd always go and there were two things you could always count on at Christmas and Thanksgiving with Aunt Susie the first one was as soon as my kids got out of the car they knew Aunt Susie was going to chase them down and do what Aunt Emily Oh, she was gonna hug you and kiss you right on the lips, as uncomfortable as you may think that is as a young boy or a teenage boy like my son. My son would plan the whole way once we got off the interstate how am I gonna run? How am I gonna hide to avoid Aunt Susie kissing me on the lips? Ah, you know, but man, it's like uh, she would track him down. Somehow she would get him. Finally, my son just gave in and said, All right, just get it over with and then move on with life. You could always count on Aunt Susie hugging you. And giving you a big old kiss, man. And how many of y'all got an Aunt Susie? Anybody got an Aunt Susie? All right, right on. Don't, you know what, one day you're going to miss that hug and kiss, so take advantage of it now. And uh, how we wish we could get everybody together again for these holidays. But the other thing you could count on were these famous, family famous um, pumpkin muffins. And (coughs) I kind of brought these back into my life a couple weeks ago. I wasn't really exactly sure why. Maybe about three or four weeks ago, my son, just out of the blue, uh, he lives up in Dothan, Alabama. Now he's a farmer. He's a rancher up there. And he's married. Lives in Slocum, Alabama. And he's 26 years old. And he's like, almost getting ready to be 27, isn't he? Oh, almost getting ready to be 26. But anyways, he uh, he calls up or texts on the family thing and says, hey, well, no, I got to say in alabama ease. said, Because he doesn't talk like from here. Hi, hey, anybody got Aunt Susie's famous bur- 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 muffin recipe? <laughs> We're like, Fortunately, he wrote it out. So, like, yeah. So, does anybody have Aunt Susie's famous muffin recipe? You know, and uh, all of a sudden, everybody starts pounding. will call Aunt Susie. He says, you know, I really want my wife to make these. And it's not that his wife can't make pumpkin muffins. I mean, anybody can go on the internet now and find pumpkin muffins. You can, you can, you can go to all kinds of Facebook pages. You could, man. How many of y'all have? Some, how many of y'all know how to make pumpkin muffins? Anybody? All right, yeah, and you probably think yours are the best, but you haven't had these. But I'm just saying, that's the way each family is, right? But so he's like, you know, his wife is a great cook. You know, she's from Ufa, Alabama. Her mama taught her, right, you know, and, he, and, and, and they, they cook and take care. Of, and he's like, but I want my wife to have this recipe so she can make Aunt Susie's pumpkin muffins. And so they got them, and they're shooting pictures of them. We got Aunt Susie's pumpkin muffins. We made them, you know, and all that. And, and then all of a sudden, Ashley's like, yeah, I think I'd like to have some Aunt Susie pumpkin muffins. And Emily, and, and we're all like, yeah, you know, that'd be pretty good. So Ashley's making them. And then Ashley, if you if you don't get this later, she's looked for every excuse in the world to make these, all right, including this message today. but uh, So Keone's making them. Keone's learned how to make the Aunt Susie pumpkin muffins. And there is a specific recipe for these things, all right? And uh, I don't think you can read it, but the recipe is right here. She sent me a picture of it, all right, handwritten out, and it's very detailed. Um, I mean, down, I'm a cook. How many of y'all are cooks, and you know there's between cooks and bakers? Baking is science, dude. Man, you're like a quarter, you know, a sixteenth of a teaspoon. Man, cooks, that's what we do. We throw it in, taste it, and it tastes good, there you go. Listen, you know, we need more of this, and you just don't let people see you look the spoon or whatever, because otherwise they don't want to eat it. But anyway, so I, got, I have all of this, and uh, I, I got the recipe, and uh, so here's how it all kind of kind of got started. They've all been making that, and as I'm studying the church in Pergamos, and, and looking even to Thyatira and Sardis, and I'm not really, I wanted to get all three of those again. We're only going to do Pergamus today, but as I'm studying Pergamus and studying, I kept hearing... The words from God, from the Holy Spirit of God, don't mess with the recipe. Don't mess with the recipe. Don't mess with the recipe. And I had no idea that God would use these muffins in this, but it's all kind of coming together. As I'm studying Pergamus. there's a recipe for salvation. There's a recipe for salvation. There is a recipe and don't mess with the recipe. Because every civilization that has had Christianity come into it, eventually they try to have their Christianity conform to the civilization, and they mess with the recipe. The recipe is the same. Zane, come up here real quick for a minute, man. All right? And and, and this and I, every single thing God has done in this just all falls together, including Zane. Zane, what was your point this morning? Don't what? Or break what? Break. Break the mold. How many of y'all know that both of us have given our life to Christ? How many of, both of you know that we have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us? How many of y'all know that both of us are going to heaven when we die? Yeah. But how many of y'all can see God put us in different molds? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We are in a different mold, and I love you, my brother. <laughs> yeah, I love you. I thought you were going to try to pick me up. <laughs> no, but Yeah. <clears throat> and... And so when I got this recipe from Ashley yesterday, uh, because here's how it all went down. I said at 6.04 p.m. last night, I said, for tomorrow's message, I need someone to send me as soon as possible the recipe for Aunt Susie's pumpkin muffins. I had no idea what God wanted to do with that recipe, how He was going to use it. And and the very first, so Ashley texts back, ooh, do you need me to make some? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, she says, I have everything to make them. And then she sends me the recipe. And I said, if you wanted to, that would be the icing on the cake, man. That would be good. She's, uh, and, and then she sent this thing that says, do muffins 50 degrees for 20 minutes. And I'm like, what is she talking about? And I'll start looking at the recipe. And on there, the recipe my sister uses isn't even for muffins. It's for pumpkin bread, which is a different mold, Saying your pumpkin bread, I'm a little mini muffin. Well, I'm a stubby muffin, all right? You know what I'm saying? So, so man, you know what that means? The same recipe for the bread is the same recipe for the muffin, the same recipe for the little bar, the whatever you're gonna turn it into. But some of us have to be baked a little longer than others, right? How many of y'all ever had, how many of you got to have to bake you a little extra time for you to come to Christ, for you to get through your head, to get through the shell and come? And so, yeah, Jane, it, it, even when you said that, I'm like, oh my goodness, there it is. I kept wondering, why did this come in this form here? You know, so so Ashley made me the muffins. All right. And in fact, she was so excited. She even sent me a picture of the mixing bowl. She's mixing it up and like, oh, I'm really making these. (laughs) Uh, You were excited, weren't you? Yeah. They're Aunt Susie's pumpkin muffins. Right. And then uh, and then so later. um, Oh, yeah, she called me. Yeah, she called me and she was like, oh, man, she said, you know what? The first batch came out. And that was the batch she sent me right there. first batch came out, and, and JJ ate one. And JJ, what did you say it was? A pumpkin what? Pumpkin A, It was pumpkin Play-Doh. She said, JJ, JJ got the first one, and he said, it's pumpkin Play-Doh. And she said, I'm so sorry, man. I forgot to put what in? Oh. Here, I can get rid of this now. My mic's messed up. All right. So what? No. <laughs> now it's pumpkin play-doh all right so so okay so oh okay hold on man wait a minute let me get this fixed so i'm not yelling at you guys all right are we good now okay so she anyway so she got she got the first batch out and jj said this is pumpkin play-doh so she starts going through and you you didn't put what in it baking soda she left out an ingredient when you start messing with the ingredients, what happens to the final product? Karen, you bake, right? You bake for a living. What happens when you mix? when you leave out an ingredient or you put extra ingredients, what happens to the final product? It's not the same thing. And it's the same thing with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Man, there is a recipe for the gospel. There is a recipe that God has in his word of God that's not to be altered. We don't get to take the liberty of taking this out and putting this in. We have to be so familiar with his recipe that we, understand, that, we that we know what we're supposed to do and not do. And again, I love what you said, Zane. The mold is different he pours his recipe of the gospel into all different sizes and shapes of molds because every one of you that are saved you're an ambassador for christ and he has made you exactly the way you need to be made you're exactly in the place where you need to be doing i mean man your jobs are so weird i I could point all the different jobs the unique jobs you have Shai, what do you work at Electric bike who would have thought God would need a missionary at an electric bike place right and when you guys moved to the KOA after you know who would have thought God would have needed that and you guys are in a, are in a little like RV resort in Okeechobee at a, who would have thought you needed that Captain Mary you belong to a boat club so you can take people out who would have thought you needed that. You work for a company that makes giant shears that cuts cars in half. Rawr! Who would have thought God, and you hang out in Louisiana junkyards. Who would have thought God would need a, 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 a missionary there? And you, you bake cookies for dogs. Who would have thought God would need a missionary there? Who else has a weird job? Well, it ain't got weird yet, but y'all, some of y'all work at Chick-fil-A, right? Who would have thought God would need a missionary there? All right. But they, you need a missionary at Chick-fil-A because not everybody proclaims to be a Christian is a Christian. And it's not just with your job. It's where he's got you and your neighbor. And he's got everything. So God, takes the recipe of the gospel. And here's the recipe. The recipe is that is that we were sinners. We came in this world as sinners. God expects perfection. And we blew perfection. We blew it early on in life because we're created Selfish. And, and and when we blew perfection, we needed somebody who was perfect to say, I'll give you my perfection. If you give me your life, I'll give you my. And that was Christ. He came to this earth. He lived as a human being, was tempted in every single way that we were tempted. And much of it's recorded in the Bible. And he never sinned. He died as a perfect person, but died the death of a sinner. And God, the father said, if you will surrender your life to him, that's what the word believe means put all your faith and trust in him, but at some point in time, then what he did on the cross can be applied to you and you have his perfection. Amen. That's the recipe. No ifs, ands, or buts, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ because he died that death. But then on the third day, what happened? He rose again. So because you don't serve a dead savior, Judy, where does he live at right now? In heaven? Where's the Holy Spirit live? In you, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when he's asking you to do impossible things, you don't have to whoop it up in the flesh. You don't have to come up with your own recipe. You don't have to try to make up a batch of Aunt Susie's pumpkin muffins or God's, you know, special brew. You basically have the Holy Spirit in you, giving you the entire ability and power to do what he's calling you to do. And then he leaves us here so that he can put us in weird situations. How many of y'all know God puts you in weird situations? impossible situations old pastors used to call it impossible. he takes the impossible and makes it him possible how many of you ever heard that before did i bring it back memories here yeah and they are they're impossible only by him so that when it gets done the world looks and says dude how did you do that i know you you have no skill no talent no ability to do that why how did it happen it's only him and he's always looking for people who will say, pick me, pick me, because he knows there's a bunch of people, even believers saying, don't pick me, don't pick me. I just want comfort. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Please leave me alone. No, I mean, Literally. Man, it's exciting. I used to tell teenagers when I was a youth pastor, if you're bored, follow the Lord. <laughs> literally, if you're bored, follow the Lord. He will put you in some of the most weird positions, and it's so awesome to be a part of supernatural things. Zane, it might not be awesome when you're in the middle of it, but when you look back and see the wake of his faithfulness, man, it's just like glory to God in all of it, in that. So again, I'm looking at these muffins, and I kept wondering, why is God, why do my kids want Aunt Susie's muffins, you know? And now they're all on, and I keep hearing about them. And then why is God telling me, don't mess with the recipe Don't mess with it, and because that's what was happening in the church at Pergamos that we're going to look at, is that they are the compromising church. I'm not going to go through all the other churches yet, and we are on our way to the book of Ephesians, actually. For those of you who are here, you know this, that that basically who the apostle John wrote to, through who Jesus wrote to through the apostle John in the book of Revelation, those seven churches, are the same churches that 30 years earlier that... uh, Uh, Paul wrote to in the book of Ephesians. And so when we understand what they're kind of going through, as we go through Ephesians, where he's trying to tell us that spiritual blessings are better than what? Material. Y'all believe spiritual blessings are better than material blessings. Yeah. But how many times do we sacrifice those spiritual blessings chasing down the material blessings? Man, we've got to know. And that's what we're going to learn when we finally get into the book of Ephesians. And we're going to, carolee you believe we're ever going to get in the book of ephesians we are going to get there man we're going at a rate now that we've got about four more weeks till we get there but i have no idea next week god may freak us out and put three churches together i don't know but tonight today we've got one here and he's going to teach us that spiritual blessings that world can take away all the material blessings from you but they can't take away your spiritual blessings and they are worth so much more the church in Pergamos was another church. The first church, as you were to go, uh, let me see if I can draw a little map here. So you've got Israel down here, and you've got the Mediterranean Sea up here in Asia Minor, which is where modern-day Turkey is. It goes up. There's a coastline, and the very first church we talked about was Ephesus. The next one was Smyrna. The next one was Pergamos. Come off, and then you have Tyatira. And then you have uh, Sidon and you have Philadelphia. And then we have the last church, which is Laodicea, which we haven't got to yet. So anyways, going on up, we have talked about Ephesus. Ephesus was a dynamic church, according to most people. But they had all kinds of ministries. They had all kinds of programs. They had all kinds of cool things going on. But they didn't have one thing that is crucial, which was what? Love for Christ. They had found a system of religion, much like Paul told Timothy was going to happen as the last days continued, that people were going to have a form of godliness with no power. Dude, they were going to have a bunch of religious rhetoric, Zane, a bunch of programs, rock climbing, and I'm not saying rock climbing walls are wrong. Dude, Tom, hey, Tom Knowles, you remember we had bounce house in our kids ministry. Was that not cool? Yeah. But that wasn't what made it. We had the gospel. We had the su- substance that we had the recipe. We did bake it in a bounce house, but that's all right. But but it's like he said, the church at Ephesus, you guys got all this stuff, but Christ can't be found. You don't love him. You're doing it out of legalism. You're just doing it because it makes you feel good to be religious. That's kind of where they're at. And he says, man, he said, I'm going to take your light away if you don't fall back in love. And well, how did he say to fall back in love with him? He said, go back to the what? Anybody? Pastor, what did he say? Go back to what? Go back to the first love, to the things you used to do. What were some of the things you used to do when you first got saved? What was something you used to do? Anybody help me out. What were some of the things you did when you first got saved? Zane, what was one of the first things you did when you first got saved? What? Say that again. Devour the word of God. Yeah. Indulge, devour anything you. Oh, it's on the radio. Oh, it's in a book. Oh, my goodness. It's on the Internet. All you wanted was to just devour the word of God. He says, go back to that. Because the more we know how much he loves us, the more we love him. And so we know he reveals himself to us through his word. Devour the word of God. What else? Anybody else? Tim, when you gave your life to Jesus, man, besides devouring the word, what was something else that you did? Learn how to love others, and you had to. And they were kind of hard, weren't they? Sometimes, yeah. And that was a pretty cool thing when all of a sudden he's giving you the ability to love people that you would have punched a few weeks ago, right? And 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 and, and you're talking to him. God, how do I love this person? Oh my goodness, he's bringing to memory of scripture that you've learned. And so, what does it call when we're talking to him? Prayer. Dude, y'all remember when God was a part of every one of your conversations, every one of your thoughts? And so, so the word of God, prayer, and actually putting it into practice is what you're saying. He said, go back and do those things. The more you actually serve him and the more you have a relationship with him, the more you find out when he puts you in these weird situations, how much he really does love you and love others. And you can't help but love him back. That's what you got to do, Ephesus. But then the next church as we went up, it was a little church in a big city that was, we talked about last week, and that was the church in Smyrna. And Smyrna comes from the root word myrrh, which means crushed. So that church was persecuted heavily. And as we learned from Polycarp, in in years later, probably 50 years after, uh, Paul had written this letter to the Ephesians, that that basically emperor worship had been growing. And we're going to learn more about that today. But all Polycarp had to do is take a pinch of incense... One time a year, sprinkle it on the altar, get his certificate, say Caesar is Lord and get his certificate and walk on. He could keep preaching. But what a compromised gospel, what a messed up recipe to preach to people after you just were a hypocrite. And you guys remember, hey, Marissa, I saw you posted what Polycarp said when they said, all you have to do, you stupid old man, is renounce Christ. You don't even have to mean it. Just renounce just say caesar's lord and get your certificate and go on and what did he respond by saying marissa yeah for 86 years man i have served him he has been faithful to me how dare i revile him now And they wouldn't make that compromise. And because they didn't compromise with the government, with communion, that's what really it started coming down to because government became king and it became emperor worship. That's really what all these churches were starting to deal with back in Paul's day all the way through John's day even further in. And because they would not compromise their faith, they were squished, dude. They got crushed. And in Smyrna, last week we used oranges. So if you squeeze an orange, what do you get? Orange juice, guaranteed. It's the only way to release the flavor is by crushing it. Yet we want our lives to look like that bag full of beautiful oranges you buy at the fruit stand. But yet God wants it to look crushed, Zane. He wants it to look, because what's the difference between a bag of oranges in the back seat of your car that haven't been crushed and a, back of, a bag of oranges in the back seat of your car, that ha- truck that have been crushed? Yeah, that's it, man. And, and the flavor and the smell and the value can't come out until it's crushed. And it's not until our faith is tried and tested that it can then be trusted. And that's why he allows things in our life to crush us, to bring out the flavor of Christ. When you crush a Christian, what should you get? Christ. But man, oh, I've had some times this week where God's put it to test. I got crushed and I'm telling you, Terry, I'm admitting Christ didn't come out. Dude, Walmart yesterday. Oh my goodness. I pur- purposely park right in the same spot. Why? Because, well, I kind of sort of know where it is, even though I have a truck with surf racks on it. But I park in the same spot all the time. All right, so I'm there. Anyone do that? You got your parking spot at Walmart. Yeah, dude, that's my spot. And I'll take one out of eight right there. But, but one of those. And if you left a shopping cart there, oh my goodness. Come on, what are you thinking? That's my spot. But I'm parked. And it's a one way out. I back up one way to stop. Look both ways. Turn. And I got a straight shot to the traffic light to get to my house. Perfect. Right. Yesterday. Oh, my goodness. I'm just being honest with you. You know, my wife's with me and. Uh, well, I don't know where she's at. Maybe she's downstairs. But now, but I pull out, Terry, I pull out and I'm like, oh, you are not going the w- wrong direction on a one way. That or what? None of y'all that right because you know that's of satan okay i'm just saying (laughs) that is not of god but going the wrong way but i'm going in and and literally i'm watching some one of those little like i don't want to call them rice burners i'm not trying what do y'all call them little cars you know the little cars where they got them like boom boom you know the the you know what i'm talking about you know little toyota's little whatever with the dark windows dude and you can hear boom and 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 the big you know you know what i'm talking about y'all know what kind of car Dude, I don't even know who was in there. Probably, probably Granny was in there. I doubt it. But <laughs> anyways, literally, I'm pulling up. I'm getting ready to go. And they, they're, they're parked there. You know what they do? They back up. And, and I'm already up here, right here. And they back up. And they're going to squeeze between me and them. I can't. I mean, I could have backed up. I probably could have backed up and gave them room, right, Terry? But your mind and mine work a lot. Dude, what am I doing? Am I backing up? No, dude, you made a choice to squeeze. You're going to squeeze, brother. And so I'm sold on my ground in my F-150, you know. And sure enough, they didn't even roll down the window. I was hoping they'd roll down the window so I'd give them a piece of my mind that I couldn't afford them. <laughs> and they they went by. And I'm like, oh, you know, not even like, oh, sorry, hey, we made a mistake. Then a truck comes in, a truck with a trailer, Terry, number two, two three strikes you out. And... I mean, this is down my parking spot, my lane that goes one way, one I can excuse, but the second one, it's a truck with a trailer, and I'm like, "Huh!" and the guy comes up and he honks at me, <laughs> oh, you're feeling my pain, brother. I'm like, all right, my, I could feel my wife burning through telepathy. You're a Christian. You're a pastor. Your truck's very noticeable. All these things. I'm like, shut up. Quit talking to me without talking to me. You know, already know. So I kind of pull over a little bit. and He squeezes by. And I'm like, glad that's over. And I'm, Now all I've got, I'm home free, dude, from me to Miss Laura right here. That's all I got to go. And now I see a mom, probably frustrated. Actually, I felt so bad afterwards because she got the brunt of my wrath. But she literally came in, had her window down. She rolled her window down and was getting ready to turn. And she looked and saw me right there. And she rolled her window back up. She thought about it. And then she came down anyways. Three people in one setting. Oh, my goodness. And and she made the conscious choice to do the wrong thing god put me there to be her holy spirit no <laughs> oh my goodness by this point i am right here and she pulls up and she's now got a squeeze dude because I'm, I'm 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 like you know silver backing it now dude this is my spot ah! and she squeezes by and she's got her window down i roll my window down and i said you're going the wrong way now i said it in a loving way i didn't really say it that way in my mind i didn't you know my wife did say I was being rude, but I disagree with her. All right. I thought they were all rude, but I said, I said, you're going the wrong way. Probably just, I said, no, no, in my mind it was like, excuse me, ma'am, but you're going the wrong way. Do you think that? No, Terry, I just said, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> and she says, Well, what do you want me to do about it now? And I said, think next time. And then my wife, and then my wife goes, You're rude. <laughs> I'm like, me. I'm rude. Oh my goodness. So this is real life. I just want you to know what I'm preaching, go through. I don't know if y'all can identify with any of this. You're like, yep, yeah, that's my husband, never me. And you know, but I'm just letting you know this is how God works on these messages. And and I'm so the whole way home, I'm thinking, I'm rude. How am I rude? She says, Well, you know, and I did ask her. <laughs> don't ask your wife when she says something like that, because she'll give you all the reasons. Man, I thought about it. Emily came home, and I was telling my wife, her, now, listen, you should support me. I'm not rude, they're rude, and blah, blah, blah. My wife, she is the greatest one to not argue back. How many of y'all have somebody, you love to argue, and you're pretty good at it, and they won't argue back with you? That's no fun, right? So I'm just like, all right, I'm flustered with all of this. Oh, my goodness. You know what? I didn't handle that right. I got crushed, and I'm just being honest with you, because I preach stuff up here like, oh, and you're like, you know, you're like, oh, I need to be like more like pastor. No, you really don't. (laughs) I'm one beggar trying to show another beggar how to get a piece of bread. I'm struggling in this world just like you trying to live Christ. And it depending on what I eat is what I represent when I'm full of the spirit of God, when I'm full of his word, when I'm communicating with him. How many times you think I talked to God during that encounter in the parking lot? None. None. You know, what if I would have man? So many scriptures came up in my head last night of how I could have handled that whole thing better if I would have. But he's orchestrated that and I blew it. When you squeeze a Christian, you should get what Christ. That's what's supposed to come out. So I'm going to try really hard on the way home today. How about you? <laughs> he's just getting me ready. For snowbird season. That's it. <laughs> Gavin, you guys live on the drive to Fort Pierce, right? Terry, can you help out with some you know, experienced snowbird season here yet on there? How long does it take you going back and forth? Oh no, it's great. Wait a few more weeks, you'll be like, what? Why are you doing twenty-five in this one lane and there's no there's no dotted line for me to pass anymore? You know and yeah. Remember this message when you squeeze an orange you get what oranges when you squeeze a Christian you should get but those are minimal squeezings man these guys were getting squeezed in persecution and so in Smyrna dude he said when you get squeezed Christ is coming out and everybody and he said man the world says you're poor but dude I say you are what rich because spiritual blessings are way better than material blessings. They are way better than material blessings. And so now we come to the next church up the line, and that is the compromising church. They have a recipe for Aunt Susie's pumpkin muffins, but they take the liberty to kind of make them a little different for themselves. In their society, they, well, let's go ahead and we'll just get to it. He starts out in verse 12, Revelation chapter 2. He says, and to the angel, or that's the messenger slash pastor of the church in Pergamos, he said, the words of him who has a sharp two-edged sword is getting ready to speak to you. So the angel is actually the pastor, the messenger. He said to that pastor or the leader of that church in Pergamos, the one with the two-edged sword is getting ready to speak. Who do you think the one with the two-edged sword is, Salma? The answer God. It's always God. Who's the one with the two-edged sword? It's God! He and in fact, uh, where do we see it? Uh, uh, Zane, where does he say it's sh- the, what, what is the two edged sword? The word of God is sharper than any two edged sword. Where is that? Hebrews. Hebrews yes, sir. And, and and so the the, the two edged sword, it's sharper and it says it can get into the tightest crevices. How many of y'all got some crevices you don't want God in? Any of y'all got some crevices where you don't want God? Man, you've got, here's good, here's good, here's good. I got this little crevice. God, stay out of there. We're good. But he said that two-edged sword. How many of you ever had the word of God just get into that place that you didn't want to think about again? The word of God gets in that place where you don't want to deal with something. You've replaced that. All right, so I got this sin. I got this situation. Something you want me to do, something you don't want me to do. And I'm going to do all this other stuff for you, God. So I'm busy and I don't have to think about it. Get in the word of God and he brings that up. That's the two-edged sword. It's sharper than the two-edged sword. It can get into the tightest little crevice and pry it apart and get in there. How many of y'all know that's true with the word of God? But it's good. Pastor, why does it have to get in that tight crevice? Yeah, we don't want, and why don't we want him there? (laughs) Yeah, we don't want to be changed. There's something wrong there. So why does he want to get in there? (laughs) To fix it. He gets in there to fix it because it's wrong. And he says, you know what? I know you're not wanting to go there because it's painful, but I'm going there because to be dealt with. If you don't ever deal with this, it's not are going to be dealt with. So the word of God gets in there. It's two-edged, man. And you know what? What are two things the sword's used for? Uh, how about a surgeon's scalpel? What does a surgeon's scapel do? Anybody ever had a surgeon's scapel? Well, Chris, what would you say a surgeon's scapel? What's a benefit of a sharp scalpel <laughs> clean cut. Make a clean cut to do what? When a surgeon goes in there, what does he usually remove? Bad stuff, and that's the word of God. The word of God is a sharp two-edged sword. One side of it is to remove the bad stuff that he doesn't want in your life. It's two-edged, and it's, it's so it's to remove all of that. But for those who don't want it removed and those who reject his removal and reject his remedy and reject his recipe, what else is the sword used for? Yeah, Judgment. It's used for judgment. And oftentimes, man, you know what? What if you love the cancer that's in your body? I mean, I've told you a story before. Squammy on my back. A squamous cell. You ever had cancer? You know, like, I had squamous cell on my back. and 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 dude it was just like a little thing in fact nurses would mess with it i don't know what it is and and i couldn't see it and and then they did an odd they did a little like biopsy not autopsy (laughs) i've been raised you know but they did a biopsy on it and and the guy said oh dude this is cancer man you gotta get this thing cut off your back and they're like oh i'm like okay and and it took Five weeks to actually get a, a time where it could actually happen in the medical world where they were going to come. And it went from a little tiny pencil eraser, once they messed with it, it turned into, when they finally pulled it out, it was the size of a golf ball. Man, I couldn't sleep. I got intimately acquainted with this squamous cell. I even pet, had a pet name for it. It was Squammy. Me and Squammy. On my Facebook time hop, you know, y'all get those things? Yeah, I got pictures of me and Squammy, you know, and 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 it was like I I got kind of close to Squammy. Squammy taught me how to sleep on my back on my side, how to sleep on my, you know, my belly and different stuff. You're like, how'd you do that? Wow. (laughs) Anyways, it was hard, but I got used to it. But man, Squammy and I got pretty intimate. So when I went into the oncologist and he was going to put me under to cut it out. man, hey, Brandon, how much did I want him to cut out? Yeah, but I was, I was that, that Brandon, you too. Brandon, Brandon, go ahead, both of y'all. I want do you think do you agree? Or would you, Brandon, you're kind of a sentimental guy, right? You know, yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, I know that. You're like a little teddy bear. You just exterior. But so man, I got kind of close. Wouldn't I want him just to I mean don't cut it all out. I wanna I wanna save a little bit. We've gotten kind of close lately, right? No, how much do I want him to cut out? All of it, in fact, what do they do with cancer? What's the M word? They don't even just cut right at the edge. They cut extra, and it's called margin, right? Because they want to cut more out, because what happens if they miss some? Dude, it comes back with a vengeance, man. So you want all of it kind of cut out. And so the two-edged sword, has. but, but if you've gotten used to your sin, if you love your sin, if you love your situation, that's not right, but it's kind of the most comfortable way you think you can live right now, because doing it God's way, I got no idea how that's going to work out. If I do it God's way, it's not going to, I don't know, it, it can't work out. It doesn't make any sense if I do it God's way. Anybody understand that? Have you ever done that? God says, do this. and You're like, there's no way I can do that, God. That's not going to work out if I do it your way. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. I think we all have at some point. And so if we like this comfortable situation we're in and we leave it there and God starts cutting out that comfortable situation, it hurts. So the two-edged sword's really there for our benefit, man, and use it for that benefit to take out what is wrong. How many of y'all trust God as your surgeon? Yeah. You know, check this out. Who has something wrong needs cut out right now? Anybody? I got my little pocket knife right here. Come here, bud. Really? What do you got? What do you need cut out right now? To bat, oh, well, I'm talking about something on your body, man. This just a little Spider Co, little H1 knife, whatever. But um, is there anybody, I-, I will do it for free right now. You know how much medical world wants to charge you? You would let me, you would let me put that out right now? You have if I have what? Oh, I don't even know what that is, but I'm sure we can find it. You know, Walmart's probably got it, but. <laughs> <laughs> Sister, I think that's a wart, man. We're going to have to get us. <laughs> no, I'm not- like. <laughs> I got you man. but listen, how many of y'all would let me let me cut this out of you right now. Why? Perhaps you would not let me do surgery on you or your wife or your family right now? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not qualified. but what if I could convince you I was? <laughs> you would you would have suffer the consequences of it. Who is the only qualified surgeon to cut sin out of our body? God. And he's got, he, he's got the word of God to do that. So the words of him who has a sharp two-edged sword. And look what he says to so Pergamus at this time. Pergamus was actually a city that was on this giant hill. It even looked royal. Um, and, and I made a mistake last week. Hey, uh, Marissa, the snake god. Asclepius. I told you all in Smyrna. They did have a temple there, but the real one was actually in Pergamos. And if you really wanted, like they had all the main gods there. They actually, before even Smyrna got a a, a temple to Diocletian, they had one to Caesar Augustus. So they were into temple worship. They had all the major gods there. And Asclepius, that's Asclepius. Man, how many of y'all love snakes, dude? If you wanted to be healed, the snake god could do it. Scott, all you gotta do is lay down in the dark and if the snake god, one of the snakes touched you, the healing magically happened, they thought. You know, no, not happening, right? So this was a, a, a place that was huge. It was an important, big place. and so, But it had a lot of satanic stuff going on there. He said, I know where you live. I know where you dwell. And look what he says, where Satan's throne is. Now, the biggest thing that Pergamus had was it was the political capital, very much like a Washington, D.C. It was where everybody who wanted anything political with the Roman government in that area went there. And that's really what truly happened. Emperor worship kept growing in that area. So whether you were part of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Tyatira, uh, Sardis, Philadelphia, or Laodicea, you wanted to have politics, and you wanted power in politics where all the power was happening, you had to go to Pergamus. It was the political capital, and you had to worship Caesar. In Smyrna, if the guys, once a year, they just had to sprinkle incense, Bruce Lee, and say, Jesus, Lord, get my certificate and move on. This was a place where every time they woke up, they had to worship the emperor. They were constantly, do you worship the emperor? Do you worship the government? Do you worship, you know, this is the authority that can control everything. Do you worship them? He says, this is where Satan's throne is. He said, but you hold fast to my name. So a lot of you are saying no, you're calling the bluff. A lot of you are saying no, you did not deny my my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness. I want to pull a, a couple of these things out of here. He says, you did not deny whose faith? My faith. Christ is saying this. You did not deny my faith. We all have faith in something. And you know what? Sometimes people have faith in a denomination. Sometimes they have faith in a pastor. Please don't have faith in me. I'm getting my faith in Christ, and I'm trying to point you to getting your faith in Christ. And we get that from the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so, man, sometimes we have we have faith, right? Hey, when you're driving, you're driving, right? You got a nice little car out there. When that light turns green, what are you doing? Oh, you're going. Do you even know about those people at the rest of the intersection? Do you know if they got a good night's sleep? You know if they like, but you're trusting that they're stopping because the light's red and you're going to go. You have faith in stuff. You flip a switch. What do you? What, what's going to happen, Brandon? Lights turning on. Terry, you fly all the time, right? Do you check the pilot? You don't check him and see like if he's up on things? And, you know, hey, when's your last schooling? When's your, you, you don't even check the pot. Have you even met him? do know his name. You're going up in an airplane with him. What happens? To going to see Jesus. Amen, brother. <laughs> yeah. Amen. But we have faith and stuff. And so, again, you know that. But look what he says, man. He says, I know you live where Satan's throne is and you hold fast my name. You guys are are preaching my name. You're not denying me. So they're doing good things in this church. You did not deny my faith. My faith—that's Christ's faith. There's a lot of people that have faith in a lot of different things. We even found that out in the last election, didn't we? Tr- didn't I, I almost called you Trump, bro? And, <laughs> you know, we've had, we've had that discussion many times, where Trump's equated with with, with Christianity, and Christianity's equated with Trump and with a Republican Party, and with a, and again, please don't. I'm just being—I'm out there. I'm one of the most conservative, gun-toting, redneck people you've ever met. I promise. But the fact is, I'm a Christian first and foremost. That's my kingdom that I worship, and no political system. As much as I believe in the the the, the uh, principles and what a certain party may represent, it may be better than what another one represents. As far as representing who I want to be, I don't find my comfort, my salvation. I don't find my success in the political party. I don't find it in a political system. I'm not counting on the government of the United States or a world power taking over. I'm not counting on that to rescue me. And none of you should be either. Now, again, I heard great messages or some pastors that every single every four years before a presidential election, they preach a message, which is good on here is, is what this party stands for here's what this party's platform is. Now, are there ever gonna be any perfect party platforms? No, there are no perfect party platforms, even your own marriage, no perfect party platforms. So what he says, and this makes the most sense I've ever heard, you figure out which party helps you carry what your platform is the best. None of them are gonna be perfect, so your savior can't be a president, it can't be Congress, it can't be a House of Representatives, We have a responsibility to to vote. God's given us that. And so we look at what platform would best allow us to carry out what we're supposed to carry out for Christ, and we vote accordingly. And I'm just going to tell you in here, I could start a civil war if I started picking one over the other right now because there's spiritful believers on all sides of all these things. But the fact is, when we're spirit-filled, we're not looking for a political party. We're not looking for a government system to bail us out, to save us. In fact, Zane, what does God even say is going to happen to the government? Is America even found in prophecy, brother? So if this is the end of the end, America's going down. And I'm not saying that's what's happening. I don't know. Thank God I don't know. I know at the very end there's going to be a one-world government, a one-world economy, and a one-world religion. And I know at the end, when you read Revelation, Russia's there, China's there, Syria's there, Iran is there. You know who's not there? America. At least in its, nor- in its form that it is right now. And again, I'm not being anti-American, anti-American. I'm being pro-Christian, guys, telling you, this is the kingdom we serve. So be careful when you are worshiping the king of a government, the king of a system, whoever seems to be in power right now. Be careful when you worship that. Even in college football, I have a pastor friend who pastors in Alabama. (laughs) Alabama got beat last night. Anybody see that? Some of y'all are like, "Woo, yeah, they got beat last night. Alabama got beat. And Auburn got beat. Do you know how sad the people in Alabama are right now? My my pastor friend put it out. He said, no matter how bad your weekend is, please come to church. (laughs) Their lives revolve around that. And it could be a football team. It can be a political system. But we belong to whose kingdom? Right now, whose kingdom we belong to? And it's all about Christ. That's the bottom line. Did Facebook cut us off yet? Oh, good. All right. Usually they do when we get political or whatever. I'm I'm not getting political. I'm just telling them, don't count on people to save you. Don't count on people to rescue you. Yes, we would like to have this, and yes, if we have a responsibility to do something, we do what we can do to maintain it and keep it, because certain things will allow us to be able to worship freely and be able to be Christians as we think more productively. But, you know, the blood of martyrs has always been the seed of the church. I'm just going to tell you, during COVID, during quarantine, since that time, the church has seen revival, the church that's looking for it. There's revival because God's taken all people's other gods away. And if they see you worshiping the God of all gods, the king of kings and lord of lords, they want to know why you're not freaking out and they want to know who your God is. So he says, I know where you go, where Satan's thrown us. you hold fast to my name. You did not deny my faith, even in my faith about him, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness. Who was killed among you where Satan dwells? So, hey, what does faithful witness mean? What do you think of when you think, what does is, what is faithful mean? Russ, Russ, all right, so faithful is what? Full of faith. And, and what's a witness, Russ? Yeah, they saw something, they experienced something, they were part of something, and they're full of faith. So that's a faithful witness, not a faithful lawyer who's going to prove a case and and win a case or whatever. But a faithful witness in Acts one eight. What does he say? When you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power to be my what witnesses here, there and everywhere. If you will, you're going to be my poster child. And so so whatever God allows us to be a part of, he wants us to follow who him and watch him. Get us through this situation with his power and his ability and get us through all of that. So, again, that once we get through, people say, dude, I don't know how you got through that. Man, I don't know how you made it through that. And then you have to say, what? It's him. It's him. He gets the honor, the praise and the glory. And you're just the testifier saying, yeah, dude, I just followed I just followed him and, and did what he asked me to do, as impossible as that sounded. I did what he wanted me to do. He gave me the grace, gave me the desire, gave me the ability, gave me the power, and we got through it. That's what a witness is. We so often think a witness is somebody that has a plan to share the gospel, and that is probably end result, right? Judy, that is the end result of that, that you should be able to clearly share the gospel, But the witness is you, them asking you, how in the world can you be calm? How can this happen? How did you get through that? And you're just like, dude, you're testifying to the court of unbelievers. This is what God did for me. And Marissa, can they deny what God did for you? No. They don't like when you tell them, you need to do this, you need to do this. Instead, this is what God's done for me. And if you want him to do that for you, man, I can make that happen. I can introduce you to him and he can make it happen. So he says, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name. You didn't deny my faith, faith in him, faith in his word, what his word says faith in him is, not your own man-made religion in all of this. He said, you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Ant- Antipas, my faithful witness who was killed among you where Satan dwells. He said, so your guys are doing awesome. You're awesome believers, guys. That's He said, but I do have something I need to warn you about. Because I see something bad happening in the future, I see a little bit of something creeping in now that's going to cause problems in the future. I have a few things against you, and Smyrna's the only church you didn't have anything against me. He so said, "I got a few things against you. You have some. That's not everybody. You know, you've got a few people in here spreading some bad junk." That I want to correct right now, and before it becomes most of the people spreading the bad junk, I want you to take care of the few that are spreading the bad junk. Again, we're not talking about putting everybody in the same mold, but when you go against the gospel, when you go against the word, that's a problem. We've got the recipe, and God can put it in all these different molds, which is exactly what we're talking about. He says, He said, Here's what I have against you. You have some who hold the teachings of Balaam. Anybody heard of Balaam before? Balaam, and, and you got, how many of y'all remember in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there was a talking donkey? Anybody remember that? That's Balaam, okay, the talking donkey and stuff. He said they have the teachings of Balaam, and he says, this is the guy who is famous for taking Balak, uh, teaching Balak, to put a stumbling block before Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality, okay? So we're going to get to that, but here's what happened And I want to encourage you, if you like to read the Bible and haven't read it for a while, I read it again this morning. Read Numbers chapter 22, 23, 24, and 25, and then you can actually read the end of it in chapter 30. But Balam was basically, uh, uh, he was a a God broker, kind of. People would go to him and say, oh yeah, man, Terry, hey, I want you to uh, curse this this country for me. I'm a king and I want you to curse this country. Now, there's two gods of this world. Again, the father of who, Zane? Lies and the father of light. And so so in this, Balaam didn't necessarily have a relationship with God. So he would come and say, I want you to curse them. And so curse the Canaanites, curse the Jebusites, curse these guys. So the Balaam would go to that god which all of them were Satan, he would go to the god and he would say, hey, I want you to curse, and he would get money to get the god, which was Satan, to curse that community. And evidently he had success because the best salesman's, what, man, satisfied customers? I mean, people people are saying, yeah, go to this guy, go to this guy. He can get a god, the god to curse him. So he was successful at getting these satanic gods to curse these satanic communities. Now, this guy named Balak, who was the king of Moab, he said man, I want you to curse the Israelites. But who was the God of the Israelites? God Almighty. God Almighty. I wish I could tell you that after having a living, true encounter with the living God, that Balaam, after having a real encounter with the living God, they gave their life to him, but they didn't. And so anyways, he said, go curse him. So when Balaam went and met with balak the king and they looked at israel he said i got to see what god says because i can only do what the gods say to do so he did go to god almighty hey i want to curse the israelites on behalf of the moabites and what did god say back anybody know no (laughs) no and 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 so he went back and said no i can't do it oh wait wait come over here and i'm going to give you a house full of gold and silver and you know what the whole rest of the story you'll be reading about a house full of gold and silver Because no matter how many times God told Balaam, don't do it, he kept thinking, but I want a house full of gold and silver. He kept trying to find a way to compromise and get around God's rules so he could please God and or do, you know, so that he wouldn't tick off God, but he could also have a house full of what? Gold and silver. Have you ever been so consumed with wanting something, doing something, not wanting something you're not doing something where you will twist god's rules to fit your life well you will try to compromise so you can have your cake and eat it too that's what they were doing and that's what god's saying is going to happen in this church you guys are fine trying to find a comfortable form of christianity where you won't get persecuted by the government you're trying to Make it work both ways when God has put you in a situation that's impossible so he can rescue you and he gets the glory. But you're worried about your comfort and you're trying to find it both ways. So Balaam and Balak, they brought brought him. The king brought him in three different places. And every time he went to curse them, hey, pastor, what did Balaam actually do? What did he actually do for Israel each time he went to curse him? Yeah, he, he blessed them. He blessed them with another. He blessed them. All right, curse him this time. Oh, may Israel and all their donkeys live forever, you know. Bless them, boom. There it is. And he got ticked off and ticked off. And, and the king of, of Moab said, you got no idea what you just blew, man. You had the easiest job. You could have been filthy rich. Do you not understand all that I have and I'd give you if you just curse him? And he kept thinking, I want a house full of gold and silver. How many of y'all would like to have a shot at a house full of gold and silver? Would that not be? Terry, I mean, wouldn't it be a good thing? Just Hey, I'll tithe. I'll, I'll, I'll build a church. I'll do I'll, I'll use some of it for God, you know? I mean, that's what he kept going back to, even though God kept saying, no, 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 no. So Balot, the king, said, dude, you blew it, bro. You could have been set for life if you'd have just done what I asked you to do. So he came and thought of a new way. He said, all right, listen, God won't let me curse the Israelites like you want. But if I tell you how you can get God to curse the Israelites, will you pay me? <laughs> and they struck a deal. And so you know what he did? He said, listen, I can't curse them because God's blessing them, but they're only, he's, they're only being blessed because they're doing what God wants them to do. If you start getting your good looking Moabite women to start hanging out there, I bet you can seduce them into having immoral relationships with them. If you start inviting them to your church service, you know what they do with theirs? They sit there and listen to some dude preach at them for two hours and I'm just but they, you know what they do in there you know what and you know what you guys do in yours dude, you guys have sex drugs and rock and roll. you guys got orgies and parties and drugs and you know dude, does that not sound more appealing? So calm you know look B- Balam told Balak he said invite them to your church services. they're way more interesting. And get them to be a part of all this stuff that feeds the flesh. And and and, and guess what? As they start succumbing to all that, God's going to take his hand off of them. Because the deal they had with God was, as long as you do what I say, man, I'm going to bless your socks off. If you don't, he said, man, I'm going to treat you just like the Canaanites. He said, so get them to compromise. And when you get, can, can you usually get somebody to just commit a huge sin right off the bat, Zane? No, it's frog in a kettle, dude. Just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time before you know it, it's all done. And that's what he says. He said, I have a few things against you. You have some some there who hold the teaching of Balaam. Those people are going to teach you stuff that's against Scripture a little bit at a time. And, and you're going to all of a sudden find yourself in a situation where Eating food sacrificed to idols and practicing sexual immorality. You're saying, well, I don't get that part. But again, in this day, they were saying, because of my business, I got to go to these places. I got to participate in these corporate orgies, all right? And I'm just saying that's exactly what it was. I got to participate. I got to do drugs. I got to get drunk. I have got to participate in these pagan worship services in order to keep my job. That's what, there's, that's what he's saying here. And now you're going to have people in your church that are going to teach you the way to compromise and say that's okay. So look what he does. He says he taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that food sacrifice styles. Where do they do that? They do that at one of the pagan parties, okay, that they had to be there for business, and they had to fully participate, which included emperor worship. And they had to practice sexual immorality. It doesn't say they were around sexual immorality. It said they had to actually practice it. They had It was part of it. You're either in or out. And that's how you get the deal. So he says, so you also have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans, which goes together. So we've seen the Nicolaitans in the church at Galatia. And what they were, they believe they came from Nicholas, who was one of the original deacons, who basically said, you know what? There's a hierarchy. There's clergy and there's laity. And you know what? The clergy is going to get more and more important and more and more important, and you as laity are going to become more and more peons. And and, and in other words, and, and even in the dark ages where people couldn't read the Word of God, they had to depend on what the educated told them. That's the only way they knew the Word of God. That's why it was the dark ages then. But in here, there was now people who put themselves on pedestals and everybody succumbed and obeyed them no matter what. Can you imagine a society where people are so gullible that they just say, oh, you're in charge and we're going to follow you no matter what? Can be. You ain't seen nothing yet, brother. You haven't seen nothing yet because this is what is taught. And again, I'm not picking any political, I'm not talking about any issue. I'm talking about they were supposed to say faithful to God and to the word of God. And every single time, the clergy puts themselves up here and the lady puts themselves here. The clergy finally loses power and God raises up people out of the grassroots. Right, Russ? He raises people up like me and you and like every like you guys. He raises us up you know, on construction sites and wherever. And, and he raises us up to just start helping other beggars figure out where to get a piece of bread, which is from the bread of life, the word of God. He starts right up. So, man, understand how important your job is because the way a worldwide church is going to happen is there's going to be people in power saying, this is what we worship. This is how we worship. And Christ is not going to be part of it. You're going to see it. Oh, these are Aunt Susie's pumpkin muffins, but we're not using pumpkin anymore. <laughs> this is Christ's church, but we're not using Christ anymore. And so the Nicolaitans became powerful. Only reason I'm standing up here is to make that point. <laughs> and plus, I not felt like getting down yet, but... Um, They made themselves powerful and they made you feel like a peon. And as the masses start following the power, you start feeling like, well, maybe I need to do that. Maybe. And the persecution comes because you're not part of that power structure. You know, there's persecution that comes. And that's what was happening right here. He said, you guys are allowing people to be better than you, more important than you. Pastor. We are in the same boat as every, every one of you called in the ministry, called as a pastor. You're in the same boat as everyone else who is called to be a Christian. We just have different seats. And as a teacher, we're going to be held more accountable. But the fact is, is you, yes, I'd love to pray for you, but you know your prayers count just as much as mine. I, I'd love to help you, but you know you can help me just as much when you help me see life from God's perspective. We're all believers, and when we get to heaven, we're all going to be equal in that because who saved us? Christ. So he says, you're letting people raise up in power, and what happens with power? It goes to people's heads. It changes people, even good people. I've had guys in ministry that were the best servants in the world, and I gave them the position of being a deacon, and it went to their head, and next thing you know, they're trying to run a church. When deacon means to stir up dust serving, power and titles go to people's heads. And so he said, you have invited the Nicolaitans. You're letting them rise up and take charge of things. You're letting them be in charge, and you're just feeding off whatever they're feeding you. And right now I'm telling you they're feeding you garbage. You need to check the Word of God for yourself. Be a Berean. You need to check the Word of God and make sure you check them on what they're saying. Marissa... Last week, you knew I messed up on that snake God, dude, but you should have called me out on that this week in private, but I'm just saying, you call me out when I'm preaching something wrong, when I'm not talking about the word of God in context, man, call me out. There's no sin. It's not like you're going to go to hell because you disagreed with the pastor and you don't have to just quit going to church, man. God's using you to straighten me out on stuff. I'm not perfect in this, but he said, man, you're letting the Nicolaitans take charge. And it's easier, you think, just to submit and do whatever they say to do. But, dude, guess what, man? They're starting to change the ingredients of the recipe. And if you change the ingredients of the recipe, oh, my goodness. Hey, JJ, you want one of these little little, little gooey ones, man? No, it tastes like what? Pumpkin Play-Doh. But guess what? If everybody starts serving pumpkin Play-Doh and they're told these are Aunt Susie's muffins and... Either you just give up because I don't dig pumpkin Play-Doh, or you just get, oh, aren't these pumpkin Play-Doh good? What What I'm saying is you can't change the ingredients and have the same product, and that's what the Nicolaitans were doing because of their power, and everybody didn't go to the Word of God to see what the Word of God said and have the guts to have faith to follow God and do what the Word of God said. They were now trying to compromise. How can I make it pretty easy here in this world and follow christ you ever see that zane how can i make it okay if i really follow christ here dude i'm getting kicked out of the homeowner association no i don't know how that worked but the condo commandos are gonna you know ostracize and honestly i've seen that already we have people that as they tried to be christian in their condo and they weren't obnoxious but basically all the non-believers were totally offended by the way, they lived, and they finally hated it, and they left different things. I've seen it. You believe that could happen, really? Yeah. So not at your place where you guys are, where, you know. You're li- so anyways, he says, that's what we got going on. We've got that compromise happening. He said, therefore, repent. Repent. Again, <clears throat> here's God. You're going this way with God, and you're following God. It's like a hose. And all the spiritual blessings we're told we get in Ephesians Come down the pipeline from the Holy Spirit of God. That's who lives inside us. So we've got this hose and the Holy Spirit of God's pumping this. Now we go against God. Hey, Zane, we just put a kink in the hose, right? What's happening when you put a kink in the hose? Nothing's coming out until you do what? Until you straighten the hose back out. That's what repentance. You got a kink in the hose. But everybody's got a kink in the hose, man. So we'll just be satisfied with this. No, don't be satisfied. Repent. Get the kink out of the hose and enjoy all the spiritual blessings God has for you. That's what he says. Repent. He says, if not, I'm going to come to you soon and war against them with the sword in my mouth. He's going to take the word of God and he's going to disprove it all. And you're going to have to make a choice. Am I going to live by the word or am I not going to live by the word? You're saying, man, this is negative. But I want you to see the good part real quick at the end. He said, those who have an ear. Let me see your ear. You got an ear? Lisa, you got an ear? I don't believe. I see hair, man. You got ear? All right, there's ear, right. Anyone who has an ear. So that's anybody that he's giving the ability to hear something. Okay? All of us got ears, I guess, unless you had surgery or something. But, you know, if you have an ear, if God's speaking to you in any way, shape, or form, he said, let him hear what the Spirit says. Not what Pastor Eddie's saying. Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers. What does it mean to conquer? It means that you're truly trying to do what God wants you. Fernanda, how hard is that? It's, it's, it, do you just do it once a week and you hope you coast the rest of the week? How often are you contemplating things, trying to do what God wants you to do? All the time, right? Y'all don't, y'all believe that about your mom and dad. You believe they're contemplating. You're not just saying that, right? No, isn't that an awesome thing to catch your parents? Because, because I, I hear different things, but. What an awesome thing to catch your parents doing, trying to figure out what God wants to do. You know, life's difficult, and they're trying to teach you guys every situation, figure out what God wants us to do, and do it. Now, your parents, got an excuse for not being perfect yourself, but, <laughs> but man, that's what it's about, trying to do what God wants you to do. And it's, it's working out pretty good. Y'all are doing a great job. Look at these beautiful girls here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, God speaks to me through my wife, <laughs> but, but but no, or through His Word. But yeah, sometimes like, stop! Oh, I didn't know that train was coming. No, but but I, no, I agree. I I hear you. God's gonna communicate to you if you want to hear from Him in this. So if you have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Look at this. This is awesome. I'm ending right here on this. He says, to the one who conquers. That's the one who seriously is like, I'm trying to do what you want me to do, God. How many of y'all is that you? You're really just trying to seek him and do what he wants you to do. Um, I don't know that I got anybody in here right now. Heck no, man. I'm following the devil, man. Forget that God thing. Any of y'all in here? (laughs) I'm just, I don't think so. But anyway, so the one who conquers, look what he's going to give you. All right, why would you compromise? First of all, why would you compromise and not do it God's way and purposely do it the world's way? It's easier and you think there's no way God's going to provide. Man, if I do it this way, I, I kind of know what's going to happen. And I'm not going to have what I need. It's not going to work out. Look at the first thing he says. To the one who conquers, I'm going to give you some hidden manna. I like how he hides it because it takes faith to actually be able to trust that he's going to provide. If he had a big pile and said, guys, if you head back over, to look, you see that big old pile? That's what you get. It it wouldn't take faith and we would jump on it, right? But he says, there's a big pile. And you're like, where? I don't see a pile. Look, I promise I'm going to do this. You're like, I don't see it. I don't see it. But he says, it takes faith. And he said, if you just trust me, you conquer your flesh. He says, man, I'm going to give you hidden manna. Manna, for those of you who don't know, go back and read what he gave Israel. They were like little dipping Dot balls that tasted like, uh, man, like Krispy Kreme donuts, but they didn't make you fat and they gave you nutrition. <laughs> Some, they do say coriander seeds, but dude, yeah, they tasted like honey. Think of little Krispy Kreme donut balls, man, that are cold. That Every morning they went and gathered it. By the way, how often do they have to gather it? Once a day, they couldn't stockpile it. They had to go visit with God every day to gather it. You want that hidden manna? You got to have a relationship with the living God as he continues to challenge you in this world that's so against him. He said, I'm going to give you hidden manna and I'm going to give you a white stone. How many of y'all want a white stone? No, you're really like, dude, I don't really want a white stone. I got a whole garden full. You don't know what a white stone is. The white stone was something that in a court of law, they would give you as an acquittal. If you, were, if you got acquitted of a major crime, they would hand you a white stone and you could always present that white stone and say, I'm, my debt's been paid. I'm good. I can never be held guilty for this again. We have a white stone through salvation. But again, in addition to that, you know what the white stone Whenever, uh, How many of y'all ever had a birthday party? Anybody had a birthday party? You know, how many of y'all you, did you give invitations out to your birthday party or? Yeah, you gave invitations. If you were living in that day, you know what your invitations would look like? A white stone. That was invitations to an important party. An important event was a white stone, and it was an exclusive thing. If you didn't have a white stone with your name written on it, dude, you didn't get to go. He says, you're so worried about fitting in society. You're so worried about about me providing because you're following me. You're worried that the fact you got to provide for yourself and do it the wrong way. He said, man, I'm going to give you hidden manna, but you're worried about fitting in. You really want to fit in there. You really want to swim around in the manure pile with everybody else? No, man. He said, I'm going to give you a white stone, and you are going to have fellowship with me. You're coming to an exclusive party with me. You're going to have intimacy with me. That's what the white stone is. We're worried about not fitting in over here. He says, I don't want you to fit in here. I want you to fit in with me, and I'm going to make it worth you. How many of you ever had intimate fellowship with God Almighty? Would you trade it for anything, Zane? Is there anything you've ever been, Jane, you've had some, you've been responsible for some of the biggest parties in St. Lucie County when you were growing up. (laughs) And I could go deeper than that, but your wife would be embarrassed. But literally, one of those parties that would be worth more than the intimacy you've had with God, not a chance. He said, so man, you're worried about, you're worried about provisions. That's why you got to compromise. Trust me, I will provide hidden man dude. And the world's going to say, how'd you make it? I just trusted him. You're worried about fellowship being all alone because you're going to be persecuted. You're worried about it because you don't fit in. He said, I'm going to give you a white stone. I'm inviting you to fit in with me. Now, look at this last part. This is awesome. This is the benefit of what you get out of this also. He said, with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Hey, let me ask you a question. Hey, Chris. You and Sabrina have little pet names for each other. Oh, he's turning red. Yeah, one you want to share? No. Hey, my little stud muffin. No. We're not. Hey, anybody have pet names for Fernanda Does he have a pet name for you? That No, you need to get one, bro. I'm sorry. Anybody have a pet name? I'm looking for people who are embarrassed in red right now. Oh, you have a pet name? What's that? Ha- oh, eye candy. Oh, when she's out shopping for men. Oh, her husband. Oh, her husband's eye candy. Yeah, dude. Women, if you eye candy would be a good one to hoist, man. Even if it ain't true, man. God would understand the lie. I'm right? saying, but no. But but when somebody has a pet name for somebody, you know. Like, I had for, for the kids, Ashley Smashley. <laughs> I mean, but you knew I loved you with that, right? I love you. <laughs> and uh, we were just talking to Keone about all that. Emily Slimily. <laughs> and there was Matt Splat. But, dude, nobody else called them that, you know, because I probably too stupid to call that. One. What do I call mom? Honey. I call her honey. I don't call you honey. I don't call you honey. I could call you guys. But that's my name for my wife. Why? I got a special name for her because she's sweet. Or at least I like to think of her that way. No, I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. She's exactly what I need in life. She's perfect, mate for me. But you know what I'm talking about? A special name, Pastor. Y'all got special names for each other. But you're not. But you're not going to share them right now. Okay, good. and 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 you know why? Because it's an intimate name. It's a special name, and and that's what God says. Hey, so when you have that special name for somebody, what does that mean? It means what? They're special. They love you it's enough to give you a special name. And, and and again, just like you said, no, I'm not sharing that with you. that's what sees it. When God hooks you up with your special name, when he hooks you up with that special name. Man, it makes you special. God loves you to give you that special name. I can't wait to find out what mine is, but I know that I'm digging. I'm digging the intimacy that I have with him. I am so grateful for the times where I didn't sell out. There's plenty of times I do, but I'm grateful for the times I didn't sell out and I trust and I've watched him provide. Those are way cool, those are way cooler stories when he provides whether it's emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, when he provides, that's way more awesome than what I provide. Ryan, man, it was so cool when we were talking on the phone. I'm not going like, to betray any confidence here, but when we were talking on the phone and we were just talking about getting a fresh start and there was that, and I was like, yeah, Chick-fil-A. And then you were like, oh, dude, I just was sort of thinking about Chick-fil-A. And it was like, I mean, so God spoke to both of us about Chick-fil-A at different times. And when it came together, all of a sudden, one thing happened after another. And you're working at where? Chick-fil-A. Do you think God hooked that up? Yeah, we know he did. I've got text to prove. Even if you don't think now, you told me in text, God hooked this up from beginning to end. That's him providing. When you don't think you your resources, you got no way to figure out how he's going to provide. So in here... You stay faithful to him, and he says, man, I'm going I'm to provide. I'll give you hidden, man, and nobody else needs, and I will provide. Any of you who have followed, you know he can do that. He said, I'm going to give you an invitation to have intimacy with me, an intimacy with me that you can't have with the world. The world's not going to give you that, and man, you're going to find out how much I love you, and that's going to cause you to love me that much more. So if you don't have a relationship with Christ, man, you've never surrendered everything you know about yourself to everything you know about him, man, I want to I encourage you to do that. How many of you have surrendered yourself, your life to Christ, you know you're born again, you know you're saved, you're going to heaven when you die, and you wish you didn't do it? Anybody? How many of you have done it and would say it's the best decision you've ever made? Let me see your hand if that's you. Yeah. So if you're sitting here thinking, man, I don't know what's next. I don't know if I have the faith. Just go for it. Everyone would encourage you to do it because it's the best thing you'll ever do. And we ain't seen nothing yet. Let's pray. Father, I'm so excited one day to find out uh, your pet name for me. (laughs) Father, I know how surprised I was when you actually even called me to be a preacher. And um, when I surrendered my life and I said, Father, if you can salvage anything out of this, it's yours. And you said, good, I want you to be a preacher. And I said, well, man, who am I going to preach to? People I sold drugs to? And he said, you said, for starters. And Father, you just told me I needed to follow you like a remora stays stuck underneath a shark. I'll never forget that. You, 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 you told me that if I stayed stuck to you, that you would provide. The remora stuck under the shark gets all the prime scraps from the shark's feet frenzy and never goes without You promised protection for me because if I stayed stuck to you, which is the biggest shark in the world, no one's going to mess with me unless it's by your design and you've got it all handled. And the greatest thing in all of that is you shared with me that your giant fins could take me farther and a lot cooler places than my tiny little fins could ever take me. So Father, thank you for giving me the desire and ability to surrender myself to you back on June 27, 1988. (laughs) And... Father, thank you for that. And I pray that there's somebody here today that really needs to surrender fully to you that today would be the day they do it. You give them faith they can't deny and they would surrender to you. But Father, for those of us who have already done that, I pray that as the world encourages us to compromise, that we're not going to be able to provide unless we do. We would count on your hidden manna. We feel all alone when we when we follow you we totally surrender to you and we feel all alone like we're the only one, Father, I pray that we not forget about the white stone and remember that we can have the most awesome intimacy with you. And that's worth more than any kind of friendship with the world. And Father, I pray that you would just talk to us and speak to us through your word and you would encourage us with that little pet name. <laughs> the way that you do speak, the intimacy where you let us know that you really do know us in an intimate way. And I pray our intimacy would grow and nothing would get between us and you. And as we understand how much you love us, we fall more in love with you. So Father, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. Father, help all the pergamoses of us around that want to compromise. Help us to stay true to you. And I pray your Holy Spirit would show us those areas of our life and show us what we need to do in there, And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.